Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, welcome to Monster Movie Funtime Go. I am one of your hosts, Precious D. And I am the other one of your hosts, Honey Bee. Honey Bee and I are two best friends making our way through the history of kaiju movies. We started in 1933 with King Kong, and now we are at the turn of the century with 2000s Godzilla versus Megaguirus. This is the second in the Millennium series. It is from Toho. It's Japanese. It is 105 minutes directed by Masaki Tezuka. And it, I don't have a budget, but the box office was 1.2 billion yen. And Yelza. this movie, like most of the Millennium films, ignores the previous movie, Godzilla 2000, and only acknowledges the original movie. We get a little bit of a kind of flashback to the original film, but it also kind of retcons it. We'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about the cast. We have Misato Tanaka as... Kiriko Sujimori, Shosuke Tanahara as Hajime Kudo, Masota Eve as Motohiko Sigura, Yuriko Hoshi as Professor Yoshino Yoshizawa, Toshiyuki Nagashima as Takuji Miyagawa, Koichi Yamadera as Kids TV host, Tomo, in all capital letters, <laughs> it says Yuji in parentheses, as young man attacked by Meganulon. I don't know what this means. I'm thinking he's maybe somebody that if we were in Japanese pop culture at the time, we would recognize. But there's not a, there's just a red link to him on Wikipedia, mm. so that means there's not a full article. Motoko Nagino as young woman attacked by Meganulon. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he was some kind of cameo that we were supposed to understand. Sutomo, Sutomu Kitagawa as Godzilla. Katsuo Nakamura as Yamaguchi. Yamaguchi? Uh, I'm thinking of Tamaguchi. <laughs> Minoru Watanabe as Megagiris. <laughs> uh, one of these people. Yeah, Yuriko Hoshi. The, the professor, she was in Ghidorah. She was in Mothra versus Godzilla, uh-huh. and Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, back in the sixties. So, 
She's some stunt casting, you know, bringing back one of the old people. Yeah, we love to see it. So, Honeybee, what are your initial thoughts on Godzilla versus Megaguirus? My initial thoughts are this movie rocks balls. It is, especially because, like, the last movie, I was a little bit underwhelmed with, you know, like, the whole CGI spaceship kind of, it just, like, ah, like, it was a good movie, and I enjoyed it, but it just, I was just kind of a little bit disappointed in it, in that sense, and in this movie, just completely redeemed that so much. Like, this movie, there's so much going on. The fights are fucking epic. Um, This is definitely like a high top Godzilla movie for me. Definitely one of my favorites Um, next to like Destroya or, you know, I think right now Godzilla minus one kind of takes the cake because it's just so damn good. But this movie is just so good. It's really up there for me. It's really up there for me. The way Godzilla moves in this movie, the toys in this movie, the effects in this movie. Oh, it's so good. We got a Ponchito in this movie. We got a a boss-ass leading lady in this movie. Like, okay. It was so good. I loved it. Now, our boss-ass leading lady has a very special distinction of being the only person to ever touch Godzilla and live. She touched him. She touched him good. Grabbed onto one of his (laughs) spikes. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, anyone else that's ever touched him did not survive. A lot of people have touched the bottom of his foot. Uh, Oh, in one of of the, uh, uh, legendary films, Godzilla's, uh, I think Sirizawa touches him, but is immediately killed by a atomic bomb. I don't think he's killed by, I don't think oh, he's killed shit. by that. It's when they're, they're setting off a bomb to wake up Godzilla, I think. At one point, I think it's in King of the Monsters. So I don't think it's Godzilla himself that kills him. But he does die extremely shortly after touching him in a Godzilla-related explosion. Oh man! Uh, now this is the movie. I, wah, wah. I think I mentioned this before, but I couldn't remember which film it was. This is the one that I believe I owned on VCD, which is video CD. Oh, because I would have seen Godzilla 2000 in the theater would have bought the DVD as soon as it was available and then found out there was a new one coming out and had no way to see it. And it wasn't released here until, you know, much later on, on DVD or right. But I went on eBay. I don't know how I even thought to look for it. Uh, Maybe I was just searching DVD. Anyway, I went on eBay and found a Japanese VCD that had English subtitles and I got it on eBay. I had to watch it on my computer. So video CD was a video format that was, I guess, pre-DVD or concurrent with DVD that was never really big here in America, but was fairly popular in Japan for a while. You did get sometimes a, a audio CD that maybe had one 
music video on it or had some some kind of mm. multimedia, you know, some text or something or some pictures, some data on it other than just the the music. And of course, CDs were used for all kinds of computer programs and things that maybe had video elements. But as far as just watching a movie on video CD, that was never really popular here. But I don't think it had, it didn't have any kind of region restrictions, so I could get it, a Japanese one and watch it here. Yeah. Nice. So. What are your initial thoughts? What did you uh, think about I the movie? It. I um, enjoyed it at the time. I enjoyed it watching it again. It's uh, it's good. I mean, I don't think it really breaks any new ground. It's kind of going back to the kind of thing we've seen before in previous periods where there's, uh, I think particularly Heisei period, where there's a, you know, a government agency that's tasked with dealing with Godzilla and then and there's some other monster and you know, yeah. they fuck it up. Yeah. So we've seen all this kind of thing before, but I, it's well done and I enjoyed it. And we have a, yeah, and it's another monster so that well goes done. through various stages before it gets to its boss. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. Love. I have a plot here from Wikipedia, but it kind of leaves out a lot. So we'll try to fill in the gaps. It's both long and not thorough at the same time. But thank you anyway, Wikipedia. <laughs> but thank you anyway, Wikipedia. The prologue of the film acknowledges the events of the first Godzilla film, using the 1954 Godzilla monster rather than a successor Godzilla. Uh, I don't know that it... I'm not... I don't think it was actually the same suit or anything on. I don't think it was actual footage. It, it was not. It definitely wasn't. Yeah. While no, it invented wasn't. its own timeline, explaining that the oxygen destroyer was never used here and that the capital of Japan was moved from Tokyo to Osaka. Well, I don't think it explains the Oxygen Destroyer. It just doesn't mention it. <laughs> in 1966, Godzilla attacks the first Japanese nuclear plant in Tokai Ibaraki Prefecture. After this, the G-Graspers, a section of Japan's self-defense forces, is dedicated to combating Godzilla. I don't know about this name, G-Graspers. Uh, that just... <laughs> Seems like a name come up by someone who's not a native English speaker. But for some reason, they want some English words in their Japanese movie. It's like they're just trying to get a hold on the concept of Godzilla. If I could just grasp Godzilla, or if I could just catch him by the shoulder or something, I don't know. Mm. Um, but this is kind of jumping ahead a, a little bit. First, we see Godzilla's wreck in a city. And uh, military forces, they're running around on foot with just bazookas or rocket launchers or what is, you know, shoulder rocket launchers, thinking this is going to take down Godzilla. And, uh, of course, it does not. But our uh, sort of main character sees her commander get killed in front of her. And so this leads to her... But I don't think they were G-Graspers yeah. yet. I think they were just self-defense force people. But then she later is part of the G-Graspers. Right. Totally. Yeah, and then you remember when we saw the movie with the with the girl who was like... Uh, 
I can't remember what her name was at, in this moment, but she was like, oh, I, Godzilla killed my family and now yeah. I hate him, you know? And it was so annoying. Yeah. This oh, was that, way, it, this was not like that. This was, was not like that. She was mad at camera. Oh, it was. You're right. You're right. She was mad at camera and he killed her cat. And she was like, fuck you, Gamera. I will destroy you. You are my arch nemesis. This this was not like that. It it, it was it was like similar in like the like storyline, but it wasn't annoying, yeah. if you know what I mean. Uh, in nineteen ninety six, clean plasma energy okay. replaces nuclear energy, but this does not deter Godzilla from attacking the original plasma energy reactor. As a result, plasma energy is banned in the country. What are they gonna do? Just burn coal? In two thousand one an experimental satellite-based weapon that fires miniature <laughs> black holes called a Dimension Tide opens a wormhole. Uh, this seems like oh, such a no. bad idea. Uh, anyway, Dimension Tide opens a wormhole through which a prehistoric dragonfly enters yeah. the present and deposits a single egg before exiting through the wormhole. Here you go. Bye. So this is skipping over, though. We see... Uh, what is her name? Kiriko. Um, uh, uh. <laughs> she goes and recruits some slacker dude to join the G Graspers, who's who's doing some weird mini Who robot is tricks. <laughs> He's showing these kids a magic trick that he is pulled off by having. I love this guy. He puts the ingredients for some rice dish and a spoon under a. A little thing, a little tray cover thing, and then he pulls it off, and it's been prepared and assembled. And he's like, "Look, magic!" But he really has these little miniature robots hidden under there that cook the rice and put it neatly on the spoon with the seasoning. Seems like an awful lot of trouble to go to <laughs> to impress some ten-year-olds. But for some reason, she exposes the magic trick to all the kids. And they immediately fuck off. <laughs> and she recruits him to come join the G Grasper. Uh, and then we get this experiment with the black holes and the wormhole. And our little Panchito sees the, is out wandering the woods and he sees this happen. Like you do, just and being a little mischievous Ponchi. So right. Yeah. So they immediately shoot him. And oh, no! <laughs> the lady just uh, the, lady, the lady just makes him promise not to tell anybody. A stranger in the woods tells him, don't tell your parents or anybody else about what you saw here. And then calls him a little insect, which I thought was adorable yeah. and also kind of rude. Because he, he is carrying, he has this shadow box full of insects with him. Yeah. So he's like going to go show his he, friend. He dropped it. Yeah, and she uh, gives it back to him and calls him Insect Boy or something like that. <laughs> she calls him Little Insect. Insect. The, the boy, Jun Hayasaka, finds the egg and takes it with him when he moves to Tokyo. The egg starts oozing a strange liquid, so Jun throws the egg in the sewer. <laughs> the egg actually amasses hundreds part. of eggs, splits up, 
just like, yeah, he's just like, oh, oh god, I gotta get rid of it. What do I do with it? I'm just gonna <laughs> throw it down here. Run. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the egg, which is actually a mass of hundreds of eggs, splits up and starts growing when exposed to water, like a gremlin, I guess, hatching into large dragonfly <laughs> larvae called megalut. Meganulon, some scientist at one point tells us. Oh, this is prehistoric dragonfly. It's a Meganulon. That guy was kind of weird. His delivery of everything was just sort of it is a prehistoric dragonfly. He was really intense and really slow the whole time. It is called Meganulon. Uh, late one night, a couple out on a date walk into a black alley to be alone where they are ambushed and killed by a Meganulon. Afterwards, the insect scales the side of a building and molts into Meganula. Soon after, a portion of Shibuya is flooded. I didn't understand why the city was flooded. I also didn't understand how they achieved that. I didn't either, but I do love the set. Yeah, it looked like I love the set. I love the, like, set underground... Like when we're like, or not underground, but underwater, when they're like going through with the little like drone, like looking underwater, it was so cool. Yeah. I, there's so many cool like toys in this movie. Like, it's just so, I loved the sets in this movie because they're like so very obviously toys. Right. <laughs> that was one of the things that, in uh, the best way, what's his name provided, right? Hajimi Kudo is the uh, slacker scientist guy. I think that was one of his hickeys but yeah i was like did they just flood a back a street on a back lot or something because it's really they really flooded a street so i don't know what was going on there how they did it or if it was just like hey this uh, village flooded why don't we just you know film something here uh, i don't know but it looked amazing so, uh, let's see. The city's flooded and a colony of Meganulon molt into a swarm of adult Meganula. Now, at some point in here, we see Slacker Guy being Oh, interviewed. it's so cool! Uh, his, his old teacher is the professor that's heading up this division of G-Graspers or whatever. And, um, what's her name? Kiriko doesn't seem that impressed by him. I think Professor uh, Yoshino sent her to go recruit him. And uh, she's kind of chastising him for not being physically fit. And at some point he says something like, uh, why uh-huh. do we need to be fit when we're just going to make Godzilla disappear up his own ass? Which is... Yeah, that was hysterical. At that point, she's like working yeah. out and he's like coming to bug her. And he's like, oh, power building, huh? Or like bodybuilding, <laughs> huh? What a useless waste of time yeah. for just going to so shove it up his ass. Because they're going to shoot him with this with this uh, <laughs> black hole. And uh, he'll disappear in the black hole. But not actually up his own ass. Make a black yeah. hole, they uh, said. It'll be fun, they said. So stupid. You can't just go. I was trying to, I'm like, this seems like a, just a disaster. There are such things as micro black holes, but apparently they just disappear because of something to do with Hawking radiation. Disappear so quickly that they wouldn't be around long enough to actually do any damage. But I think there's a difference between a micro black hole and a miniature black hole. 
because there are you know relatively small black holes that could hit the planet and pass through it. I don't know. It just seems like building a gun that fires them is a really bad idea because it, it could just go so terribly, terribly wrong. It's a movie black hole. It doesn't have the same rules. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, Godzilla appears in search of a source of nuclear energy, despite the edict shutting down all such attractants after its three previous appearances. While Godzilla is fighting the G-Graspers, who are assisted by rebellious scientist Hajime Kudo, the swarm of Meganula are attracted in turn to Godzilla's energy and attack Godzilla. During the course of the battle, the Dimension Tide is launched, but Godzilla survives the attack. Most of the Meganula are killed by both Godzilla and the Dimension Tide, but a few manage to drain off some of Godzilla's energy and return to the sewer. Oh, I, I got to back up. I forgot about this. After the first people are killed by the Meganulon, it flies by the kid's building, and he somehow realizes that this came from the egg that he did for the sewer. And so he calls <laughs> up the lady, uh, Kiriko. I don't know how he got her phone number, or if he just said, Operator, connect me to the G-Graspers. And she comes and meets him in a park and tells him it's not his fault. That uh, she seems to realize that it has somehow had something to do, or maybe it's after he talks about finding the egg. She realizes it has something to do with their stupid experiment, and it's not really his fault. Which, it's a little bit his fault, but if he hadn't found the egg, it would have just started hatching out there in the forest instead and just killed some different people. But yeah, I just thought that was really funny. About how did he get a hold of her? Uh, anyway, they drew needs. She's like, okay, can you keep a secret? <laughs> Don't tell anybody what you saw here, and here's my number in case anything yeah. weird happens. Don't tell anyone our experiment caused all this trouble. Uh, so they, they drain off some of Godzilla's energy and return to the sewer, with Godzilla seemingly following them. With the last of their strength, the Meganula inject Godzilla's energy into a huge sleeping larva that is a giant pulsating cocoon. It molts and appears from the water as Megagiris, the queen of the Meganula. Hey! <laughs> ah, After destroying so part of cool. Shibuya with shockwaves, Shibuya, 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 the girl who's hard to get. Uh, gener <laughs> shockwaves generated by her beating wings. Megagiris heads to the waterfront and faces Godzilla. <laughs> As they engage in a lengthy battle, she uses her speed to avoid Godzilla's attacks. But Godzilla oh, eventually man. uses its own speed against her. As she flies towards Godzilla, it lunges so forward epic. with its dorsal fins in her path. She flies into the fins, and one of her arms is severed. Megagiris, having been mutated by Godzilla's energy, generates a blast similar to Godzilla's atomic breath, and knocks Godzilla down. Megagiris speeds forward with the stinger on its long tail lowered, trying to stab Godzilla between eyes. In a climactic moment, Godzilla catches the stinger in its mouth and crushes it in his jaws. Oh! Holy shit, this part was so crazy. I was, like, literally screaming at this part because... It's all, like, from the back of Godzilla. Like, you can't really see the stinger at first. And 
also the stinker throughout the whole movie is just so cool like the way it's used it's just so cool like what it's just badass i really love the stinger but you can't see that it's in the mouth like you just see like from the back of godzilla like the stinger going like in his head and i was like oh shit and then you know the camera like pans over and he just like crunches down and just eats the stinger and i'm like oh my god it was so epic it was so epic godzilla finally blasts megagirus with atomic breath causing it to burst into flame and die they left out the part where she touches godzilla so what's his name uh hajime hajime makes a tracking bullet for her which is huge. It looks like it's like 75 caliber or something. Uh, the idea is that if she's supposed to use it to, for them to track her, but I don't know where she's meant to shoot it. But the idea is if she gets in trouble or lost, she can use this tracking bullet. And uh, she shoots it off there in the training room to test it. So later, they're trying to track the Mega Gears or or the Megalons or whatever, Meganulons. And she is in a helicopter and she goes down to try and get some samples of something. Uh, and then Godzilla shows up. Right underneath her, and, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she kind of swims over and grabs onto his uh, scales and uh, hangs on to him for a moment and then shoots the tracker into him so that... They they can follow him. She's a right yeah, badass. This entire movie. Off of him, yeah. So that's how she get, comes to be the only person to ever touch Godzilla. I love like when she's like going in, and they they're like, "No, you're crazy! What are you doing?" And she just like looks at the camera. She's like, "This is what I was trained for." And I was like, <laughs> So uh, let's see. After uh, Mega Gears dies. It is revealed that Godzilla was attracted to a secret plasma energy project housed at the Science Institute in violation of the ban. The G-Graspers continue their mission to destroy Godzilla, but with the Dimension Tide falling out of orbit... Oh yeah, the Dimension Tide's on a satellite. It's shot from outer space. Uh, they're unable to lock on it. The vengeful Major Kiriko Tsujimori pilots a ship towards Godzilla, ejecting only at the last second. The Dimension Tide is able to lock onto the craft and fires just before burning up on re-entry. Godzilla blasts at the approaching black hole with its heat ray, but vanishes. In a postlude, however, Tsujimori again enlists Kudo to investigate suspicious seismic activity. Then, in an after credit scene, which is not typical in Japanese movies, and wasn't widespread in movies in general at the time, like they are now. In an after credit scene at June's school, an earthquake happens and Godzilla's roar is heard again. Yeah! Which is weird because the next movie is not a sequel to this movie. Just like uh, this one, it ignores all the previous ones. So. Don't care. Love it. <laughs> there you go, folks. Godzilla versus Mega gear. I feel like if it's good enough, like if the movie is good enough, I don't care that you've ignored everything and like done your own thing. But if the movie is like 
not good enough, then it's kind of like, meh, you know what I mean? Right. It just seems like they're setting it up for a sequel, and then they don't make a sequel. They just make another standalone movie, which is Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, and giant monsters all out attack. Ah! That we will be covering next week. So, Honeybee, what are you going to rate Godzilla versus Megaguirus? Five stars all the way around. I loved this movie. It is high up for me. I don't know where it stands in the like between like Destroya, Biolante, minus one, this one. I don't know. It's up there though. It is up there. I really, really, really liked this one. Well, good. I'm glad. I, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I will also give it five stars. Sure, why not? Uh, our leading lady was uh, really awesome. Yeah, she was a badass. There, there was a lot of cool shit, so we'll give it five stars. So much cool shit. Folks, if you like... And I, I really liked the nerdy kid, too. Like, the nerdy guy that she recruits. Yeah. I, I really liked him, too. I liked his character. Folks, if you like uh, awesome shit and nerdy shit, go to mmftg.com and you'll find links to all of our stuff. You can rate and review us, please, on your podcasting platform of choice. And if you want some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mmftg. Uh, you can also follow us on Letterboxd. There should be a link to that at our website as well. Pretty sure there's a link to that. You can just search for us on Letterboxd. Yeah, baby! So there you go, folks. Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. And be back here next week for the long title. Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters <laughs> All Out Attack. Uh, until then, I have been Precious D. And I have been Honey Bee. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. And please don't misuse science. We won't see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. Yeah. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mmftg.